As our scripture today on Christmas Day, I read the original Christmas story. And I call it a story on purpose. A story sometimes means something fabricated. This one isn't. And I'm going to include more stories in this message this morning than usual. None of them fabricated either. Stories that help us understand this story. Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. It was that night. A brief poem by Fred Bauer. It was that ethereal night when a matchless star stood glowing in the east, trailing a man, a woman, a burdened beast. It was that incredible night when an innkeeper became the first to say, I have no room for you this day. It was that incomparable night when Gabriel came ecstatic to the earth, proclaiming glad tidings of a royal birth. It was that immortal night when a caring God reached gently down to lay his supreme gift, love on the hay. I still remember when we first learned that Karen was pregnant with our firstborn. There was so much to get ready for, so many things to do. Lists were long and complicated, and something that was near the top of them all was preparing a birth announcement. We wanted something personal. We wanted something joyous. We wanted something that revealed some of our faith, 
The words on it said something like, God has met us in the miracle of birth. We designed the front cover. We block printed each one individually and hand wrote the text inside of each. We did way more than we needed. We did it way earlier than we needed to so that when the great day came, we could get the good news of great joy out to everybody, almost literally everybody. There was a nurse in the hospital where our daughter was born, whom we did not know, had not met. I don't know that she had anything to do with our case in particular or had any special attraction to our daughter, but she came into my wife's room the next day and said, could I please have a copy of the birth announcement? And we offered her one since we had plenty. She said, this is my hobby. I've worked in this hospital a long time. I collect birth announcements because it's like collecting joy. Now, switch gears a minute. This will sound like it's unrelated to what I just said, but I hope you'll see in a minute that it's intimately connected. Imagine my concern as I opened my computer one day during Advent and read this, virus alert, Advent virus. And this is how it read in part. Beyond the alert for symptoms of inner hope, peace, joy, and love, the hearts of a great many have already been exposed to this virus, and it is possible that people everywhere could come down with it in epidemic proportions. This could pose a serious threat to what has up to now been a fairly stable condition of conflict in the world. Some signs and symptoms of the Advent virus, an unmistakable ability to enjoy the moment a loss of interest in judging other people, a loss of interest in conflict, a loss of the ability to worry, frequent overwhelming episodes of appreciation and thankfulness, frequent attacks of smiling, an increased susceptibility to the love extended by others as well as the uncontrollable urge to extend it. Please send this warning out to all your friends. The virus can and has affected many systems. Some systems have been completely cleaned out because of it. It was that night, that ethereal, incredible, incomparable, immortal night that the virus started to spread. And it still does and is and will and maybe even from this place today. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The message of the angel to trembling shepherds in a waiting world. Another email message. Subject line, caller ID. Isn't it amazing how God works in our lives? 
On a Saturday night once, this pastor was working late and decided to call his wife before he left for home. It was about 10 p.m., but his wife didn't answer the phone. The pastor let it ring many times. He thought it was odd that she didn't answer, but decided to wrap up a few things and try again in a few minutes. When he tried again, she answered right away. He asked her why she hadn't answered before, and she said that it hadn't rung at their house. They brushed it off as a fluke and went on their merry ways. The following Monday, the pastor received a call at the church office, which was the phone that he'd used that Saturday night. The man that he spoke with wanted to know why he had called him on Saturday night. The pastor couldn't figure out what the man was talking about. Then the man said it rang and rang and rang, but I didn't answer it. The pastor remembered the mishap and apologized for disturbing him, explained that he had intended to call his wife and must have dialed incorrectly. The man said, that's okay, let me tell you my story. You see, I was planning to commit suicide on Saturday night, but before I did, I prayed, God, if you're there and you don't want me to do this, give me a sign now. At that point, my phone started to ring. I looked at the caller ID and it said, Almighty God. I was afraid to answer. Now, the reason why it showed on the man's caller ID that the call came from Almighty God is because the church that the pastor attends is called Almighty God Tabernacle. Something like that happened to this world that night. That ethereal, incredible, incomparable, immortal night. What would you do if an angel showed up right in front of you? Wouldn't you be scared? And if that angel were soon joined by a great company of the heavenly host, wouldn't you be terrified? Wouldn't you back up? Wouldn't you stand up? Wouldn't you think about running? Listen to that angel and God through that angel say to those shepherds and anybody else who is terrified about the reality of God, don't be afraid. That's what he said first. It's always upsetting at least, if not terrifying, to be in the presence of a significant person whom you hadn't really met before, or in the midst of a significant situation you hadn't seen before. And from it, God says to those shepherds and to us, now I understand your fear, but I'm only here to help. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of God's efforts to touch you through scripture, through prayer, through a sermon, through worship, through your memory of a past experience, through an experience you're going through right now, whatever it is, to come close to you. He does it simply out of love. 
He's never too close for comfort if comfort is what you want and need. I bring you good news is the next thing out of the angel's mouth. Now, if that angel spoke Greek, and I dare say he was capable of it, but didn't speak Greek that night, since the shepherds wouldn't have understood if he did. But when the story was first written down, it was written in Greek, and what the angel said would have sounded something like, don't be afraid, I'm here to evangelize you. You could actually hear this angel, this messenger from God saying, I'm here tonight good newsing you. Because the root word behind good news, preach, sermon, reach out, is all the same. It's a Greek word that means to announce something good. It's only bad if you reject it. God's birth announcement, don't be afraid. I'm here to evangelize you. That's the message. And the mood is one of great joy. I read an interesting piece in the press once entitled, Astronomer Explains Star of Bethlehem. I was even more curious when I realized that the author of the article was a Calvin professor and I wanted to hear the story. Actually, it happened again this past week, on the 21st of December, what he is describing this way, and that's the first time in 800 years it has happened, by the way. What they saw, he wrote, was Jupiter rising. They attached particular significance, that is, the wise men, to the time since Jupiter is the royal planet. And it was in the constellation of Aries, the ram, which was the constellation associated with the nation of Judah. Since they saw this special thing happening, they assumed there was a royal king being born in Judah. From there on, the article became less intelligible to me because this astronomer was trying to explain how a planet or a star can move and stop over the place where the child lay. This is what he said. This refers to Jupiter in retrograde motion. It's Jupiter going ahead of the other stars and then stopping before it turns around and heads the other way. Now, I'm going to confess to you that I don't think I understand retrograde motion. But what I do understand is that the news was so good and the joy was so great that God enlisted the planets to help get the word out. Now that's some great joy. But it isn't just God's joy that the angel's talking about. It is God's joy in giving that joy to us and then it becomes our joy. God's birth announcement it's not just telling us how happy this makes God, but how happy this can make us. It's the joy of knowing that God does indeed care enough about us and for us to send the very best. Nothing to fear and great joy. Now, let me tell you something fairly personal about myself. I was sitting at my desk one day 
I guess probably daydreaming, and the thought occurred to me what a blessing it was for me to have been called by God to the profession he called me to. To be able to express and explain God's good news and great joy to his people. I find God's word so exciting. I find it so intriguing to learn of God's word and learn from God's word. I find it so compelling. I find it so encouraging. I find it so comforting. I find it so revealing. I find it, as Jeremiah the prophet found it, like a fire burning in my bones and I can't stop letting it out. What could be more exciting than being called by God himself to express good news of great joy with as much joy as I could possibly express? And then it occurred to me that perhaps we could all express that joy a bit more in the days and weeks and months and year ahead. And maybe those around us, like the nurse in the hospital when our firstborn was delivered, could say to us, will you show me that birth announcement? I would like to collect some joy. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You can see something of God's excitement in describing the message as good news. You can see something of God's anticipation in describing the good news as a message of great joy. You can see something of God's love in destining this good news of great joy to all people. Now one more story. In a way, a lot like the story I began with, I mean before I started the sermon, the one in Luke 2. A very unlikely thing happened in a very unlikely place at a very unlikely time and became known to very unlikely people. This story was titled Undelivered Gifts. It's not a story story. It's a factual account. Have you ever had the experience of almost not doing an act of thoughtfulness or charity, only to discover later that without this action on your part, a very important experience would not have happened to someone else? Whenever I'm tempted to be lazy or indifferent in this way, I inevitably think back to that Christmas in Korea in 1951. It was late afternoon on December 24, after a cold, miserable ride by truck in the snow, I was back at our command post. Shedding wet clothing, I relaxed on a cot and dozed off. A young soldier came in, and in my sleep-fogged condition, I heard him say to the clerk, I wish I could talk to the sergeant about this. Go ahead, I mumbled. I'm not asleep. The soldier then told me about a group of Korean civilians four miles to the north who had been forced to leave their burning village. The group included one woman ready to give birth. His information had come from a Korean boy who said these people badly needed help. My first inner reaction was, 
How could we ever find the refugees in this snow? Besides, I was dead tired. Yet something told me we should try. Go get Kral and Pringle and Graf, I said to the clerk. When these soldiers arrived, I told them my plan and they agreed to accompany me. We gathered together some food and blankets. Then I saw the box of Christmas packages in the corner of the office. They were presents sent over from charity organizations in the States. We collected an armful of packages and started out by Jeep. After driving several miles, the snow became so blinding that we decided to approach the village by foot. After what seemed like hours, we came to an abandoned mission. The roof was gone, but the walls were intact. We built a fire in the fireplace, wondering what to do next. Graf opened one of the Christmas packages in which he found some small artificial Christmas trees and candles. These he placed on the mantle of the fireplace. I knew it made no sense to go on in this blizzard. We finally decided to leave the food, blankets, and presents there in the mission in the hope that some needy people would find them. Then we groped our way back to the command post. In April 1952, I was wounded in action and taken to the hospital in Wanju. One afternoon, while basking in the sun, a Korean boy joined me. He was a talkative lad, and I only half listened as he rambled on. Then he began to tell me a story that literally made me jump from my chair. After he finished, I took the boy to our chaplain. He helped me find an elder of the local Korean church who verified the boy's story. Yes, it was a true miracle, an act of God, the Korean churchman said. Then he told me how the previous Christmas Eve, he was one of a group of Korean civilians who had been wandering about the countryside for days after North Korean soldiers had burned their village. They were nearly starved when they arrived at an old mission. A pregnant woman in their group was in desperate condition. As we approached the mission, we saw smoke coming from the chimney, the Koreans said. We feared the North Korean soldiers were there, but decided to go in anyway. To our relief, the mission was empty. But lo and behold, there were candles on the mantel, along with little trees. There were blankets and boxes of food and presents. It was a miracle. <clears throat> the old man's eyes filled with tears as he described how they all got down on their knees and thanked God for their deliverance. They made a bed for the pregnant woman and built a little shelter over her. There was plenty of wood to burn and food to eat, and they were comfortable for the first time in weeks. It was Christmas Eve. The baby was born on Christmas Day, the man said. He paused. The situation couldn't have been too different from the other birth years ago. On the following morning, American soldiers rescued the Koreans, who later became the nucleus of a Christian church in the village where I was recuperating. You just never know when you have a special role to play in one of God's miracles. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people.
a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this is how someone has described the man that baby became. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. Unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was dead and brought to life. He reigns and brings peace. He is goodness, kindness, gentleness, and God. He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging, and his mind is on me. He is my redeemer, he is my savior, he is my guide, and he is my peace. He is my joy, he is my comfort, he is my Lord, and he rules my life. I serve him because his bond is love, his burden is light, and his goal for me is abundant life. He will never leave me, never forsake me, never forget me, never overlook me, when I fall, he forgives. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm lost, he finds the way. When I am afraid, he is my courage. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he's with me. When I face death, he carries me home. Every time and every way, he is God. He is faithful. I am his and he is mine. God is in control. I am on his side and that means all is well with my world. Every day is a blessing, for God is. And I trust that to that all God's people can say, Amen. Lord Jesus, on this, the anniversary of your birth, we give you thanks for coming. We give you thanks for being born. We give you thanks for being Savior. We give you thanks for being Lord. We give you thanks for reminding us that you are still at work in your world and in us. And we ask that you will use us in the year ahead to reveal more and more of the good news of great joy intended for all the people. In your name we pray. Amen.